0: Zach always kind of jokes that, hey, you know, don't don't pretend like the headset goes out so you can call your own plays. But, you know, on Sunday or Saturday, you know, the headset did go out, and so I had to call three or four plays on my own, and, you know, all, all of them worked, so that was that was fun.
1: You know, the game obviously would have been Orchard Park, so I texted my wife, 13 seconds left. I should have known better. I told Brandon, I said, you know, make sure you save me four tickets in your suite, make sure it's full of beer. You know, unfortunately, it happened.
2: You know the Bills Mafia. Uh, I'm sick to my stomach
3: that we lost the other night, and for people to show up at the airport three in the morning, I don't know what the temperature was, but
2: I wanted to hug them all.
3: Could you rule in or rule out potentially trading for Deshaun Watson given the sexual assault allegations? Against we're not. We're not trading for Deshaun. There's, uh, there's so many reasons why we wouldn't do that. I mean, cap-wise, we couldn't afford it. But more importantly, uh, with the allegations that, that are out there right now, that's just not really the to
2: Wednesday edition of PFT PM. I'm Mike Florio, and he is my third favorite Simmons behind Jeffrey and Gene. He is Miles simmons good afternoon miles how are you well, i'll take happened? that
4: uh, you know thank you I, I i honestly would think that i would be your fourth favorite behind my mom too so you know after all that discussion so that's probably i'll take third
2: you know you know i hadn't factored your mom into the equation you have just dropped down to four now i have to wonder <laughs> can she leapfrog gene Jeffrey rocketed to number one with three sacks on Saturday he did everything in his power to help the Titans beat the Bengals but alas it was not to be thanks to three interceptions from my least favorite Tannehill Ryan but and I don't know any other Tannehills so he's tied for first and last but uh, but anyway uh, welcome back how's everything in Southern California the place to which I am about to venture in 10 days from now
4: are you nervous for that I mean, you don't leave the house very much generally, but let alone fly across the country.
2: Trust me, it has created a significant level of anxiety Ooh. with which I am dealing okay. and which I am processing. And there, there is a chance, there is a chance, there is a chance that at the airport there's going to be a Rain Man moment. Now, I assume that is yet another classic from the 80s that you have not seen, so you have no idea what I'm talking about. But... I may not, for reasons related to the safety of air travel, opt to not get on a plane, even if Qantas somehow flies from Pittsburgh to Los Angeles via Melbourne. Have you seen Rain Man?
4: No. Okay.
2: This is just—it's not even funny anymore. It's just sad. Uh, Sad. (laughs) All caps exclamation point. Sad. That's what it is.
4: All right. Thanks, Aaron Rodgers.
2: Well, or or the guy that. That Aaron uh, Rodgers reminds uh, me of, exactly or the guy that, that Aaron Rodgers may that. become.
4: That's where I'm going with that. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. He's 38. He's 38. <laughs>
2: he's old enough to be president now. He'll probably wait at least 20 years. I hope. And now I have to ask myself: Do I want to live so long that I'm actually alive when Aaron Rodgers is president? I think I'll opt for no. I'll just move on to wherever I am destined to go. It has to be better than a world in which Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is the leader oh of the free world. Sorry, I. You know, it's funny. I've found that I'm at the point in my life where some days I just don't give a. Sh- I don't give a crap. Whoa, I just yeah, don't. And this really is one of those you. days. <laughs> this is one of those moments.
4: So
3: uh, anyway, let's get it to it. You got anything, Dad? Anything, Dad, yep. for
4: the good of or the order? Nope. Let's talk about uh, the Giants.
2: Next Wednesday and this Friday and every day after that, Miles Simmons will be hosting PFTPM with someone (laughs) because this may be it for me because we're just getting started. I got 56 minutes to completely screw everything up. Anyway, John Mary, you saw him at the very end, if you can even remember what was going on a few minutes ago, talking about the Giants not trading for Deshaun Watson. Now, first of all, first of all, somebody was trying to create this notion of brian flores and deshaun watson with the giants and i remember we may have texted about it on the pft chain like no 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 i just the spider sense was telling me we're not we're not pushing whatever whoever it was was trying to sell no no because that stuff ends up sticking to us we have to do at least a minimum level of bs detection and we did and we said no we're not going there and it's clear the giants aren't going there now now the salary cap excuse. I'm so sick of the salary cap excuse. Right, that is yeah. just a way for teams to hide behind. We don't want to do it for some other reason. Because you can make it work, especially Deshaun Watson's contract. It's a bargain. Four years, $136 million. That's a bargain. Yeah, he's got a $35 million salary this year. You convert it to a signing bonus. You can make it work. The salary cap is BS. It's because of the PR problem they would have. Because remember with the Josh Brown incident a few years ago, and the body blows John Mara personally took for that one. They don't want to go down that path again. Not in New York. We've talked about it before on one of the shows. Can you imagine the back pages of the tabloids if they would trade for Deshaun Watson?
4: Well, yeah, and that's kind of why I almost liked a little bit of what John Mara had to say about that, you know, because it was really not just the whole thing of, oh, well, it's not going to fit under the salary cap. But then he even then said, yeah, with all of those accusations against him, that's not something that we're going to pursue. So I don't think the salary cap thing is the only thing that would prevent them from going after Deshaun Watson. And it was good to hear him explicitly say that as opposed to just, oh, well, you know, the salary cap. And then we also heard him basically give a pretty good endorsement to Daniel Jones And that also seems to be why they would not want to go after Deshaun Watson.
2: And we're about to hear that. But before we put a button on it, I just wish they would not throw in the salary cap thing because it creates a false impression. They can make it work. If they wanted Deshaun Watson, they would get him and they would make it work. They just don't want him. And it's more about it's primarily, if not exclusively, about the pending sexual assault allegations because it would be a crap show in New York if they added him to the team. Now, Here is John Mayer, the owner of the team, and also new general manager, Joe Shane, not shine as in go get your shine box. Joe Shane is the GM along with John Mayer. Here they are talking about Daniel Jones.
1: Yeah, I've looked at Daniel and, you know, once the new staff gets in here, we're going to get together, offense coordinator, head coach, the entire staff, dive into the film as a group and look at what Daniel does best and we're gonna to try to you know, allow him to put his best foot forward. So again, I've looked at him. I know there's been, you know, I wasn't here in the past, so I don't exactly know, you know what he was told to do, but I do know this, I know he's a great kid. He's been in this building the last two days. I've, I've talked to him. There's not anybody in this building that has said a bad word about his work ethic, passion, you know, desire to win. And I think you gotta have those traits as a quarterback. And the kid has physical ability. You know, he's got arm strength, he's athletic, he can run. So I'm really, getting, I'm really excited to work with Daniel. And again, when the new staff gets in here, we'll build an offense around Daniel to accentuate what he does best.
3: I want Joe and the uh, new head coach to make that evaluation. We do feel that Daniel can play. Um, you know, we've done everything possible to to, to screw this kid up uh, since he's been here. We keep changing coaches, keep changing offensive coordinators, keep changing offensive line coaches. You know, I take a lot of responsibility for that. But let's bring in the right group of coaches now and, and give him some continuity and try to rebuild the offensive line and then be able to make a, an intelligent uh, uh, evaluation of, of whether he can be the franchise quarterback or not. I have a lot of hope uh, in Daniel. I know how badly he wants it. I know how the players feel about him. So uh, we are certainly not giving up on him.
2: I agree with what was said there because, look, you have quarterbacks who end up in bad situations and then new coaches, new offensive coordinators, no blocking. We don't know how good he could be. He's got a decent set of physical skills. The one flaw that needs to be repaired above all others is the fact that he holds on to the ball for so long that he gets hit and he fumbles, and he has too many turnovers. So I guess the best way to spin it would be he's fearless in the pocket, and he's not afraid of getting hit. Yeah, the problem is he gets hit and the ball comes out. That's what he does best, unfortunately. holds the ball so long he gets hit and he fumbles. They can iron that out with the right coaching staff, and they're not ready to give up on a guy who's got a very reasonable salary. I haven't looked it up today, but I think it's about $4.35 million in total compensation for this year. they got to decide on the option for 2023 but based on what we just played miles it sounds like daniel jones not only is their guy this year daniel jones is their guy next year as well
4: well that's the thing i mean once you decide to pick up that fifth year option it's fully guaranteed and so it's going to be what's in the ballpark of probably 19 20 million ish You know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that's probably what it's going to be. And if you have a guy who's actually a good quarterback, that's a very, very reasonable salary for somebody like that. But I think, you know, when Joe Shane's talking about, we got to do build the offense that accentuates what Daniel Jones does best. I don't don't know what Daniel Jones does best. I I really don't. I mean, I, I think that he can run. I'm not sure what kind of throws he can make the best because I don't see that we've been able to see him do a lot. You know, in terms of making good plays, think about this year. He played 11 games. He had 10 touchdowns, seven interceptions, three lost fumbles. So that's 10 touchdowns and 10 giveaways. All right? That that's not good. You don't want that one to one ratio. So I don't really know what Daniel Jones does best. Because, like I said, but if they can get an offensive coach in, that's going to be creative going to figure out what it is that Daniel Jones does best and then let him go do that then I think they're going to be in good shape but I I don't really know that we know if Daniel Jones can be a viable quarterback going forward so if they pick up the option great if they don't I would understand why
2: and look I I can't completely praise everything they said today I have one nit to pick as it relates to what we just saw and and I'm going to be very professional about this.
4: I oh would have God, preferred. Two weeks ago.
2: Can I continue? Are you done? <laughs> I would have preferred. Just
4: want to make sure I get a word in.
2: That John Mara. Oh, and listen, as long as I don't bring up Baker Mayfield, I have a chance to talk. <laughs> I would good. have preferred that John Mara wouldn't have talked today. There are occasions where really? it's appropriate for ownership to speak. At league meetings, March every year maybe at the other ones where they're breezing through the lobby and the horde of reporters are chasing them around, or if it's on a league issue because he's heavily involved. I think that you want to send a message to New York that Joe Shane is the guy who's going to speak for us, especially today. This is his day. Joe said everything that he needs to say, and he said it well. I don't need to speak today. I would have preferred that he he not. And, and really, if you're going to run for cover when you think you're going to get booed at the Michael Strahan jersey retirement, I think you should flip that coin over and, and, and tap out on a day like today. Just because I think everybody's watching and everybody's sensitive, at least the people who get it are, to how much the Mara's have a spoon in the stew. And John Mara just a couple of weeks ago was trying to convince us that they don't. This would have been a good way, as a symbolic gesture, just to say this is about Joe. We're, 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 we trust in Joe. I would, I would have preferred that.
4: Okay. But, I mean, again, like two weeks ago, you were just talking about how bad they are. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, like, I understand what it is that you're saying, but I, I think at the same time, it's like when the ownership hires somebody, you do want to hear from ownership about why they wanted to hire that person. So I kind of disagree with you on that.
2: But put him at the podium then. See, it was, I think the fact okay. that he spoke with a gaggle of reporters tells me he wasn't going to talk. But he ultimately couldn't. He Lay off me, I'm starving. He ultimately couldn't eat the french fries. He had to have the french fries. Lay off me, I'm starving. Here's Joe Shane talking about the search for a head coach that could land with a guy who's instrumental in taking a raw talent like Josh Allen and shaping him into the quarterback that he is. Maybe Brian Dayball will be asked to do that with Daniel Jones. Let's listen carefully to what Joe Shane had to say about the search for a head coach.
1: You know, all of our candidates bring, you know, a different skill set to the table, so I'm not concerned if they've been a head coach before or if they haven't. I'm concerned with getting the best head coach for the New York Giants. So if, if they've got previous coaching experience, fine. If they don't, that's fine. Again, it's going to be imperative somebody that's in lockstep with me that I can work with. We can have constant communication and we're going to be aligned in our vision, you know, as we build the football team.
2: Awesome. Agree with it a million percent. I wrote about that earlier today. For the Bears and Ryan Poles, the Vikings and Cuesia Dofo Mensa, and the Giants and Joe Shane, let your GM hire the coach that he admires, trusts, respects, and likes. It's your most important relationship in the building, other than maybe head coach and quarterback. GM and coach got to be on the same page. And the coach has to be somebody who will trust the GM implicitly, not to, for example, when things are going rough, and they inevitably will, they inevitably will. They're going to lose games. They're going to go through rough stretches. The coach needs to be able to focus on coaching the team and not wondering, what's Joe saying to John up in the luxury suite about all the talent Joe's put together and how the coach is screwing it all up? That's why I'm a big believer in everyone having equal accountability. I've been using the three-legged race metaphor throughout the day. It's the old picnic game. You got to tie a leg together, right leg, left leg of two different people, and you got to run. And if you fall, you both fall, and you're both out. So let the GM hire somebody that he believes he can have that relationship with. Don't have ownership involved. If you don't trust the GM to hire the coach, then you hired the wrong GM. Your goal should be hire a GM that you completely trust to hire the coach and let the GM do that. And if it fails, right, he's taking his job on it. Joe Shane's got to stake his job on it. I'm hiring the right coach. And if it doesn't work, I'm willing to walk out the door. Let me do it. And that would be the best way for the Giants, Bears, and Vikings to handle their head coach searches going forward, Miles, Well,
4: right. I mean, he used the term lockstep, which I think is basically the same thing that you're saying with the three-legged race, right? Everybody has to be going in the same direction. And you also have to speak the same language, and you have to be able to understand what it is that a coach wants at each position so that you can then go tell the scouts, Hey, this is exactly what we're looking for. And then that's how programs get built, right? That's how teams get successful guys that come in the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round of the draft undrafted free agents, because they have a specific set of skills that the team is looking for. And then the team brings that guy in and then that guy flourishes there. So when you don't have guys who are on that same page and you don't have guys that, are, aren't, that aren't in lockstep, you have guys that aren't in lockstep, easy for me to say, uh, then that's exactly where things get screwed up. So, I mean, for what we were just talking about, right, with Daniel Jones and then the, now the New York Giants, I feel like Brian Dayball kind of fits that bill of somebody who Joe Shea knows because he worked within the same building with him right he's probably already experienced hey this is what it looks like when it's right at this position and at that position and at another position on the offensive scheme and we also know that Dayball has experience in bringing up a young QB in Josh Allen so I think that makes a lot of sense for the New York Giants if Dayball's interested in that job hey
2: You made a great point there. It's so much more than just the quarterback. Excuse me. Well, let, let me finish. The coach and the GM getting along is critical, and it's not just the quarterback. It's all across the roster, and there have been occasions over the years where you will have a GM that will acquire players, and the coach will put them at the bottom of the roster, at the end of the bench. Players to whom significant money is being paid, the coach just won't use them. And the best example I can think of that, and it actually leads back to the New York Giants in a weird sort of way. When A.J. Smith was the GM of the Chargers and Marty Schottenheimer was the head coach, they hated each other. And (laughs) A.J. Smith would do things that that Marty Schottenheimer didn't even know was happening. Like trade Cleo Lemon, backup quarterback that they kind of liked. Trade him without even consulting with Schottenheimer, to the Miami Dolphins. That's the kind of dysfunction that was there. And that's why, ultimately, when Eli Manning visited prior to the 2004 draft, he sensed that dysfunction. He wasn't sure that the organization was on the same page about him. And I think it was A.J. Smith wanted him and Marty Schottenheimer didn't. I think that's the vibe he got. But that's when Dad ran interference and Archie was the one who came out and publicly said, Eli doesn't want to play for the Chargers. And it wasn't anything against San Diego. It wasn't any type of power play to get to a certain spot. Eli felt uncomfortable. And Eli felt like he was going to be caught in the middle of this dysfunction between the GM and the head coach. And one thing leads to another. And Eli Manning becomes a Hall of Fame quarterback with the New York Giants. But if you don't, and, and so my point is this. That dysfunction, if it exists between GM and head coach, affects the team in a Many ways, tangible and intangible, up to and including possibly causing a franchise quarterback to say, I'm not getting in the middle of this crap.
4: Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's I think it's something that guys should take into account, especially when they're coming into the league. Right. What kind of power do you have? What kind of leverage do you have? You kind of wonder, man, if Trevor Lawrence had done something like that, you know, before he got to Jacksonville, where would the Jaguars be now? Because in theory, he probably should have, especially given the disaster of a rookie season that he had with uh, Urban Meyer there as head coach.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And let me tell you, we'll have time to talk about it as the draft gets closer. It really is something that more young quarterbacks should do, because where you land as a rookie quarterback can potentially destroy your career and that is not hyperbole it can destroy your career if you have a revolving door of coaches and general managers and offensive coordinators and playbooks and teammates and you never have good teammates around you you never get off the ground and it's not like you have five years to figure it out you're going to get thrown out maybe the best thing the Giants have done through all of this is committed to giving it one last try with Daniel Jones with a coach who will come in and direct him and groom him and get the most out of him and if Ryan Dayball can do for Daniel Jones what he did for Josh Allen, because Allen was raw. We didn't know that mm-hmm. Allen could do all the things he does. Allen has been beyond all expectations. Jones has been below all expectations, and they have a chance to make it happen. In Minnesota, they have a quarterback. I don't know how much longer he's going to be there because new GM Quesi Adofo Mensa hired today will be, bringing with him a very analytics-driven approach to the situation. And if we want to go dollar-for-dollar dollar value – and I don't know. Maybe there's another quarterback out there that would be better than Kirk Cousins. But that's down the road because, like Joe Shane, Quesi Adofo Menso has to hire a head coach. And we don't know who they're going to hire. But same advice for the Vikings that I have for the Giants and the Bears. Let your GM hire the coach. He trusts, admires, respects, and likes. and get everything. Especially in Minnesota, where the owners aren't in the building. Even more important that you don't have dysfunction there, Miles.
4: Oh, yeah, for sure. Because if you don't, I mean, it's kind of the, the thing that we were talking about with Miami, right? You know, where Stephen Ross isn't in the building. And so you've got Chris Greer, who potentially has the ear of Stephen Ross. And, you know, apparently there's all this dysfunction within that building. And Brian Flores is the one who gets pushed out. And we'll see if he lands another job somewhere else. But you're right, Mike. I mean, this is a really, really important hire here because you don't really know what the NFC North is going to look like, whether Aaron Rodgers is going to be there next year or not. You know, you've got these guys in the Detroit Lions that are pretty upstart right now, but you don't know how they're going to end up. So there's a real opportunity here to build something with some sustained success in the NFC North. And we got to see what the head coach is going to bring to the table and if they can actually fulfill that potential.
2: Yeah, and look, they've got plenty of work to do. They've got a great facility, great stadium. Owners are willing to spend money, but they've got to get this roster figured out, starting with the quarterback and before that, obviously, a coach that the GM wants. We'll see what they do going forward. The Jaguars, for a while, and, you know, I'll peel back the curtain a little bit, not that anybody cares, but we have a text message thread where Miles and MDS and Shereen and Josh Alper and Curtis Crabtree, we all – bounce off ideas and we monitor developments and we want to make sure sometimes if a story is developed to the point where we're ready to go forward with it. And last night and into this morning there was kind of this vague bubbling and gurgling that the Jaguars were closing in on hiring Byron Leftwich, the Buccaneers offensive coordinator to be the head coach in Jacksonville. And what it was on Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times reported that Leftwich and the Jaguars are trying to finalize a contract. That's when we said, Okay, Hey, Rick's been, Rick's been dead on balls accurate with big stories lately. We're not going to doubt Rick Stroud. So that report came out earlier today. And then, and then came Shefty with what I believe. And I don't, listen, I'm in one of those I don't care moods. Not that it would stop me from saying it any other day. I think somebody we from really the Jaguars are. asked Shefty to put out the idea That, oh, we're not closing in on anything. We're not finalizing anything. We still have two candidates. We haven't chosen anyone. All as part of a leverage play to help get the deal done with Byron Leftwich the way that the Jaguars want to get it done. And MDS made a great point. Was it MDS? I think it was MDS. Yes. If it was Leftwich's agent, that was the one trying to get Shefty to do the favor. The tweet would have been, the Jaguars are among multiple teams interested in Byron Leftwich, but he is not close to signing with any of them. It's the different perspective. It's the same idea. Can you please put out something that helps us? Jaguars wanted Shefty to put out the thing that helps them. That, hey, we'll, we'll walk out of this dealership right now and not buy the car. And I look at it this way. It's another sign of a dysfunctional team. Because if you think you've got the right coach— don't pinch pennies. Don't play games. Give him a fair contract. Get him in the building. Get it done. You have too much money, Shad Khan and Mega Yacht. You can afford it. Money is falling from the skies for the oligarchs. God forbid you have to pay a coach fair value for somebody who's going to come in and bust his ass around the clock all day long, all year long to help your team win. Don't play games. Don't dick around. Oops. With your coach. Get it done. Get it done. Sorry.
4: Why are you addressing the mega yacht like that? What does the mega yacht do to you?
2: Well, the mega yacht is the sign. If, if you have a mega, and trust me, I am not one of these eat the rich people. I am not one of these tax the rich people. I don't like the idea of a lifetime of financial success being penalized any more than it is as you're making it. I think once you have it, you should be able to do whatever the hell you want with it. You shouldn't have to tax just because you have a lot of it. You tax it as you build it and build it and build it. But anyone that can pay $250 million for a boat has no business pinching pennies when the time comes to pay an employee fair value. Because you bought a big-ass boat that you're on like three times a year just because you didn't know what else to do with your money. So don't don't resist. Don't play games with your key employees, or any of your employees, but not your key employees. Don't play games. Treat them fairly. And and you know what? If this all blows up, and Byron Leftwich says, I, I don't want to be part of this, you get what you deserve, Miles.
4: Oh, absolutely. Look, I thought, and I think we've all thought, kind of from the beginning of the Jaguars' coaching search, that Byron Leftwich would be a great fit for that team and for that young quarterback. I mean, you have somebody who has played the position, who has been a first-round pick for that franchise. And he really, I mean, he had some success, but we can probably call it an unsuccessful tenure when you get cut after four years, you know, where you've been there as a first-round pick. So I just think that with all the experience that Byron Leftwich has in coaching, and especially now coaching Tom Brady for the last couple of years, look, there's so much there that he can bring to that franchise and to Trevor Lawrence and to an offensive system and really try to build something in the AFC South with that guy. I think pairing those two Two would be great and so I think it would be a pretty big shame if somehow for some reason this got messed up at basically what it seems like they're you know at first and goal at the five right punch the darn thing into the end zone get it done and get things started because this franchise needs to be set on a much 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 better course after the disaster of Urban Meyer last year
2: otherwise Trevor Lawrence is going to get ruined He's going to get ruined. You should be doing everything you can to get the best possible coach to come in there and fix a quarterback who may already be on the road to ruin after one year with the Urban Meyer debacle. So I, I and, and look, this is just my interpretation, but, but I, I don't doubt what Rick Stroud is reporting, and I oh, know yeah. enough about how Shefty operates with the favor trading. And I'll push, I'll hold my nose and I'll push your BS agenda because I know that you're going to give me the text when you've hired Byron Leftwich or Matt Eberflus or anyone else. So I can be five minutes ahead of the announcement. Listen, I've been doing this 20 years. I know how the game is played. And I know that the souls are sold one tweet at a time. And that's what's happened to these guys. And I'm not going to keep my mouth shut about it. I think people need to know the truth. By the way, I've gotten the some emails souls recently. Souls are
4: sold one souls tweet sold at a time. One you are time, on baby. one, man. You are on one today, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: and it's not even five o'clock yet. Oh, wait, it is. But uh, I haven't yet. It's not five o'clock central. As a five o'clock central, a bottle of wine's getting cracked open. I'm just in one of those moods today. I'll say this: I've gotten some emails this week from people saying I'm I'm extra salty. I'm extra I'm extra agitated. And you know what I say to that, Miles? Are you yes. not entertained? are you not entertained is this not why you are here folks you got plenty of other options you don't have to listen (laughs) to me you don't have to look at me god i don't know why you'd want to if you don't like it if you're not entertained go listen to somebody else who shake their pom-poms and spread the bull crap that everybody wants to put out there make everybody feel good every team's great did you know next year every team is winning the super bowl get ready people next year every team and every hire. Get ready. Well, we're going to be saying plenty about this too. Every hire, every coach, every GM. Great move. Well done. All right. Go in the Super Bowl next year. Every team is doing it. Let's take a break. You know what? There's a national Please. championship college coach who actually didn't think that Jamar Chase, easy for me to say, could play receiver. We'll talk about that and maybe maybe take issue with that coach when PFTPM continues right after this.
0: When did you first notice that trait in yourself, Jamar, that if someone told you you couldn't do something, I don't know if you have a story or anything where you noticed that happened and it fired
4: you up. Yeah, I don't know if I have a story either going back that far. Um, it's just been always, I can tell you honestly, one of, one of my best stories ever. Les Miles told me I couldn't play receiver uh, when I was coming out of high school. Um So, you know, that was something I had on my shoulders growing up. Last Miles told me uh, he thought I could play cornerback. Um, I wasn't really in full position at CV yet. So, you know, I just kept working in my craft uh, offseason, waking up early in the mornings to work out. Um, I just kept focused.
2: Now now, now that I hear the quote, you know, it could be that Les Miles was doing that on purpose to try to wake something up in Jamar Chase to make him a better receiver. There's all sorts of ways to motivate people, so who knows whatever it was, it worked. There is a chance that Les Miles, who has a propensity to eat grass, maybe got a piece of wacky weed when he decided that Jamar Chase can't play receiver or or maybe it's the difference between the high school football and the college football. I think we've heard that theme with Jamar Chase before, but regardless, it's all worked out for Jamar Chase, who has had an uncanny impact and as as the Bengals get ready to play the Chiefs again we can only hope Steve Spagnuolo will maybe devote more than one defender to trying to stop Jamar Chase if the Chiefs actually would like to advance to the Super Bowl
4: yeah uh you know I think that Greg Williams tribute they had playing cover zero and going one-on-one with Jamar Chase when it's third and long like that or fourth and long whatever it was that they converted at the end of that game you probably shouldn't do that again
2: No, and uh, that's one of the fun aspects of two teams getting together again who played fairly recently. Both of these games on Sunday are rematches of recent games. You know, Rams and Bucks they played in Week 3. Bills and Chiefs played in Week 5. So much is different now. Not that much is different now for Bengals-Chiefs. And 49ers-Rams, who played, obviously, on the last Sunday of the season, and the 49ers had to beat the Rams. It's just alternate universe, not much of a twist. If the 49ers don't come back from a 17-0 deficit and beat the Rams, Sean Payton is still the coach of the Saints, potentially, because they're potentially still playing because they would have gotten in and the 49ers would have been home. And here the 49ers are on the brink of the Super Bowl. It is crazy. It shows you. You know, I used to say that that there are teams out there that find the gas pedal Around Thanksgiving, you can find the gas pedal around New Year's Day now and get yourself in and get hot at the right time. You don't even have to get hot in November. You can get hot in January, Miles, and find yourself almost in a position to pursue a championship.
4: Well, yeah. I mean, now that there are 18 weeks in the season, that's what it is. You know, the, the Bengals and Chiefs played this month. Which seems crazy, but as I was like looking at the dates to make sure I was getting that right when I was writing about it, yeah, they they played. Well, I guess it was January second or January third. Now I don't even remember exactly what it was, but I can tell you that it was this month, and they'll play this month again on Sunday,
2: January two, because January one was on a Saturday, so January two. I am very good at math, or when the math is very simple, and it's not really math; it's just calendar. Looking at a calendar,
4: you can have a calendar in front of you. I just don't. I do. I do. It's it's well, on my see, laptop. We have a
2: calendar everywhere you go. You don't need to buy. You know, think about think about how digital technology has destroyed so many industries. The poor <laughs> calendar industry, the poor calendar industry <laughs> is gone. It's dead. It's over. Big calendar <laughs> is done. Apologies to big calendar. All thanks to little cell phone device. All right, uh, Joe Burrow has to deal with the crowd. At Arrowhead Stadium, it is loud, it is raucous. Here's Burrow from earlier today talking about the very distinct home field advantage that
0: the Chiefs possess. You know, in the SEC, every single week, it seems like that, you know, every stadium is really loud. You know, there's hundreds of thousands of people. Um, you know, this one is going to be similar. You know, we, we expect it to be really loud. We're talking about it throughout the week. You know, we're going to have to be great with our communication, our nonverbal communication. Just like every week on the road, Joe, <laughs> Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is Macaulay
2: bundled Falcon. up to go to the store. Remember when he goes to the store
4: and shops? No, why? Because I've never seen the movie.
2: Oh, no, no, no! You've seen Home Alone. Come <laughs> I'm on, not, Come I'm on. not. I'm not.
4: I've not seen that. This I, I haven't. This
2: is you are just you are just messing <laughs> with me now. No, I'm really. You not. are I'm... Thurman Merman, and I am Billy Bob Thornton. And you are messing with me.
4: Macaulay I just told Culkin, you in the break. I've seen Gladiator.
2: Kevin, Kevin. Well, yeah, because it was made this century. Kevin, when he goes to the store and he goes shopping and he buys like fabric softener, that's that's Joe Burrow right there. But hey, he they're gonna have to deal with it. For? I th- I don't know. He's like he's like he's he. There's some dialogue where he acts like he's an adult and he's he's making some okay. purchase. I can't remember whether it's toothpaste or. Now I have to go watch Home Alone again. Thank you very much. I'm going to have to go back and watch Home Alone and refresh my memory on Kevin's shopping list when he makes his trip. Matt Casey says it's not worth it, so I won't. Matt, Matt Casey, I'll make sure I introduce his sons to Home Alone so he has to watch it on an infinite loop in a few years because uh, that's ultimately what happens when kids discover keep the change you filthy animal anyway the Bengals heading to uh, to Kansas City hey I- I'm not gonna I-, I we do our picks podcast tomorrow I-, I everybody's gonna pick the Chiefs when it's time to make your pick because I-, I went with my gut feeling a couple weeks ago and it blew up in my face you know the Steelers were able to deliver a few lucky punches early to the Chiefs and then what happens the Chiefs mash on the gas and score 40 points. I mean, that's the thing. You can't just rely on catching them flat-footed once. You got to catch them flat-footed once, and then again, and then again, and then again. And even then, you still have to worry about the Chiefs finding a way off the mat to come back and kick your ass. So I don't, I'm sorry, this isn't an anti-Bengals thing. I don't think anybody's going in to Arrowhead Stadium this weekend and beating the Chiefs with a Super Bowl berth on the line, Miles.
4: I don't really either. And, you know, I go back to that 2019 playoff run that they had where they just kept getting down against teams. You know, they were down 24 to nothing to the Houston Texans. And look at where the Houston Texans are two years later and look at where the Kansas City Chiefs are two years later. And that was just in the divisional round. And then, you know, they came back and they ended up winning that game, what, 51 to 31? Can't remember whatever it was. They ran out of fireworks. That's the kind of thing that they do at that stadium with that crowd in their – at their backs. So I, I was at both of those playoff games in 2019 just in the crowd and it was freaking awesome. It's one of the best fan experiences that you can ever have. And I just feel like there's going to be kind of too much going against the Bengals this week because if you let Joe Burrow get sacked that many times again. Right? It's not going to be like the Titans did where they're not taking advantage of it offensively. The Chiefs offense just can't get hold, held down that much. And so the protection issues have got to get solved real, real quick if the if the Bengals are going to go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead with a Super Bowl on the line.
2: You know, I think the Chiefs need to take a second look at who their fireworks perform procurement guy is because they have this happen when they run out like are they surprised and it's not a perishable item like milk like buy extra fireworks you got a team that can put up 50 points be ready go get more fireworks and and keep them in a shed and you're not going to run out that way I mean come on you got to be prepared for these moments unless they just like being able to say We ran out of fireworks because, you know, we score so many points. Maybe that's part of it, too. Anyway, hopefully there'll be some fireworks. Hopefully the Bengals can keep up with them. We have a very high level of expectation this weekend after what we saw last weekend. That's the bad news coming out of divisional round. Everybody is going to be primed for a couple of great games on Sunday in the NFC Championship. Here's Kyle Shanahan, the coach of the 49ers who is six and zero against the Rams over the last three years, talking about the defensive lines that will be competing on Sunday to try to get to the respective quarterbacks.
0: Um, I mean, I think we've done a real good job with it, you know, and I think we've gotten stronger as the year's gone. And, um, <laughs> That we did a hell of a job versus them last game, um, which was huge for us, especially in that second half. Um, you know, their pass rush, it's, um, I mean, it's as good as it gets, also. You know, the, the individuals that they have, um, especially, um, you know, it all starts with 99, who um, just the generational talent and what what he attracts to have to give someone a chance to stop stop them and you got to worry about that but then you add in all the the guys around them and some pretty good coverages with it so um usually the teams at this point in the year all have good pass rushes I think it's pretty hard to get to this point when you don't have one um but I think we're two of the top
2: well and the reality is the 49ers have an offense that is uniquely constructed to not have to pass that's how they've won games that's how they ran over the rams on that monday night when we're all hyped up when here's here's obj and and the the rams are all in and here they come and they're splashing the pot like teddy kgb and the 49ers kick the crap out of them right and then when and and this is how effective the 49ers are at running the football even when they're down 17 nothing they still keep running because they know that they can run against the Rams. That's the weakness of the Rams defense. And that's the strength of the 49ers offense. And it helps them avoid their weakness, which is their quarterback. I mean, this all sets up for the 49ers. And, and I know that at some point this mastery by Kyle Shanahan over Sean McVay is going to end, but they've never met with the stakes like this. And I mean, th- this one's fascinating to me. Uh, but the 49ers have exactly what they need to take the steam out of the Rams' pass rush. Run right by it with whichever running back happens to get the ball, or Debo Samuel, or quick passes to guys like George Kittle. They got those roughnecks that can just roll out of bed and kick your butt without even a warm up period, like it's boom, off they go. That's going to play very well into their hands. That's another one. I have no idea this weekend. I may just do something like flip a coin or like let my dog pick. I, I have no idea who's going to win either of these games. I'm more confident about the Chiefs. This one. I, I mean, history tells us, recent history tells us the 49ers, but, you know, even more recent history tells us the Rams are looking pretty good.
4: Yeah, you know, what's interesting too, though, Mike, I think the Rams have to avoid that lull that they've sort of had in a couple, in two of their last three games in the second half. Right, I mean we go back to that game that they had week 18 against the 49ers. They're up 17 to 3 at halftime and then the 49ers come all the way back and send that thing to overtime and then the 49ers, you know, go down the field and they score. Matthew Stafford throws the interception ball game Right. Last or on Sunday, you know, you see the Rams and they get up 27 to three. And Tom Brady brings that team all the way back in the second half, in large part because of the turnovers, right? The, the fumbles were huge in that game and they were uncharacteristic of guys that you just don't see it. So, I mean, I think when you look at it that way, it's like, okay, you, if the Rams can build a lead, and this is kind of what they did the last time when they were playing Jimmy Garoppolo, then you can use those pass rushers and get after him. But you got to make sure that you take care of the football too. So I I still think that in most situations, you're going to take the Rams D line going up against a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo and thinking, Hey, I can force him into making some kind of mistake. It's just that the last time you played Jimmy Garoppolo didn't make any mistakes. He played a hell of a two minute drive, went down the field and scored and sent that thing to overtime.
2: Yeah. And uh, you know, one of the other realities here and Sean McVay addressed it earlier in the week, the, the resale of tickets to 49ers fans. Sean McVay making his pitch for Rams fans to actually show up and not turn those tickets into cold, hard cash. Some trends are suggesting that 49ers fans are getting their hands on tickets. And it was so bad Week 18. As Kelly Stafford said, Matthew Stafford had to use a silent count, and they're the home team. And Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers didn't. So home field advantage it's not going to be like Arrowhead at SoFi Stadium and that's going to be possibly to the advantage of the San Francisco 49ers. What what a, what a game. You know, we 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 were hoping, at least I was hoping a couple of years ago after we had that great Week 17 game between the 49ers and the Seahawks that they would cross paths again in the postseason and they didn't. The 49ers ended up beating the Vikings and then the Packers to get to the Super Bowl. Th- th- this is I like a good third times a charm match between two teams from the same division they know each other extremely well it's going to be physical it's going to be chippy it's going to be emotional and how often do teams from the same division meet with one game winner goes to the super bowl loser has to watch that i love that when it happens
4: oh yeah it's going to be really fun and i you know i think the crowd's probably going to be more almost like a neutral site game kind of 50 50 Because if not, maybe a little more favoring the 49ers, that's because there's so many ticket brokers down here. Uh, That's part of the issue, too, is that when your season ticket holders are not just all fans, they're just people who sort of anticipate that they might be able to make a little money. And that's part of it. But I will say that 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 Monday night atmosphere that they had against the Arizona Cardinals, I was fantastic. And there have been some very heavy Rams-centric crowds that I've seen in Los Angeles you know, when I was covering the team professionally and, and since I've been here now um, with PFT. So I, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a good crowd, but I think that that crowd's going to be split and it might feel more like a neutral site game.
2: Are you going? I plan to, yes. All right, good. Well, I'm, I'm glad to know that, that you can still get in. You know, you did work for the Rams, <laughs> but you do work for me. So it kind of balances out, just like the split crowd at SoFi. The fact I that you think it might Rams, not balance
4: out. I think that it's that more like that, you, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I know.
2: I know. Let's take a break. Uh, we're <laughs> going to do a post-mortem on the division around the teams that lost. What's their number one priority as they move forward into their offseason? We'll do that next on this Wednesday edition of the,
0: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?
2: Brandon Bean, the Bills GM, spoke to reporters and said their offense got the better of our defense the other night. They do that to a lot of teams. The quarterback is outstanding. Tyreek Hill is a unique guy. If you guys see a guy like Tyreek Hill out there, let me know. I'd love to have him. I, I said during the break, there are some in the league that would not even say that because it's just a little too close to the tampering line but you know what Brandon you got Gabriel Davis who was kind of Randy Moss and Terrell Owens rolled up into the same guy I don't know if it was just a weird night for him like it is a weird day for me today but I would say between Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis if Davis keeps playing like he did like if this was some awakening for him and he's reached a new level you're 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 in pretty good shape at the receiver position
4: yeah I I would agree with you Mike I think that they're gonna be okay
2: Now, Tyree Kill still is Tyree Kill, and it's one of the reasons why the Chiefs are so good. So for the teams that are out of it, let's do this real quickly. Offseason priority number one, let's start with the Buffalo Bills. What would you say their number one priority should be?
4: It's got to be just to get over this loss because right now it's clearly still affecting them a lot. I mean, you got Brandon Bean talking about today how he's sick to his stomach, how he wanted to give Bills fans a hug, and I watched that game with the Bills fan, and I can tell you he could have used a hug after that game, but you have to be able to get over it and push yourself into next year. Forget about it.
2: Hey, you know what I would do, frankly, if I'm Sean McDermott? I don't know if he knows Sean Payton, but I'd, I'd want to talk to Sean Payton about how did you guys come back from what happened in 2017 and get to the NFC Championship the next year? How did you come back from what happened in 2018 in the NFC Championship and put a playoff team together? How did you keep coming back from these gut-punch losses in the postseason? Because that's going to be job number one. And regular season they need to play well enough so next year when they play the Chiefs it happens in Buffalo not in Kansas City I say they got to bit their number one priority is get a good replacement for Brian Dabo you don't want to blow the momentum that you've started to build offensively if you take a step back when Dabo becomes if he becomes a head coach somewhere I think it'll be with the Giants Titans number one priority
4: You got to find a good number two option at receiver, and it could be a tight end, but it's clearly not Julio Jones. I mean, I don't know if he's washed or if it's just the injuries or what have you. Only one game over 100 yards this season, career low, 434 yards with one touchdown, 10 games and five games in 2013. He had 41 catches for 580 yards. They got to do something better there.
2: I remember last June having the feeling that Mike Vrabel was not on board with the Julio Jones thing. It was John Robinson who Mm -hmm. was front and center talking to reporters, and Vrabel never did. And if Vrabel had misgivings, they were vindicated. I think they got to find a way to keep Deontay Foreman because that guy's good, and Derrick Henry didn't have the burst on Sunday. Foreman did. you got to keep Foreman around because you never know when Derrick Henry's going to go off the cliff like a former Titans running back Eddie George once did for no reason at all. It wasn't some chronic injury, ACL, or anything like that. It was just his body ran out of the number of hits it could take, and he no longer was the guy that he once was. Uh, Packers' number one priority. Other than the obvious, they may need a new quarterback.
4: Well, if they can't satisfy Aaron Rodgers, I mean, at least they need to keep Devontae Adams around, whether it's through the franchise tag or signing him to a long-term deal. If Jordan Love's going to be your quarterback, you need that number one wide receiver.
2: I think that they have to address special teams. It was disgraceful what happened on Saturday in every phase of the special teams, all the way down to not having 11 guys on the field. Are you freaking kidding me? for the final right. field goal that decided the game. And Matt LaFleur has already suggested maybe using some starters on special teams next year to improve the units. Buccaneers' number one priority, again, other than the obvious if Tom Brady retires.
4: Yeah, I mean, if it's if Tom Brady, I would say even if Tom Brady's back, you've got to find a QB of the future just because you're in a position right now that you don't want to be in where you have somebody in, I mean, you know, Kyle Trask, and you don't know, But I also just don't think that you want to be Pittsburgh where you got somebody like Mason Rudolph, right? You want a QB of the future on your roster.
2: Blaine Gabbert, according to Bruce Arians, most underrated player in the National Football League. We'll see if he puts his money where his mouth is, if it ever comes down to that. He's already suggested they'll look at free agent quarterbacks if Tom Brady does retire. All right, we, we, we retire for just a few minutes. When we come back, we'll bust open the mailbag on this Wednesday edition of PFTPM they both did the same thing today here's the gm first day for work i want to see what cars these are i'm always curious what someone drives oh i know what they are tell what cars they are what are they oh tell me miles
4: joe joe shane's in a jeep wrangler and then uh, i got ryan poles in a new s500 uh, mercedes
2: so do you think joe shane rented a jeep wrangler I mean, I, I think because I,
4: I think that's Joe Shane's car. I don't think that's Ryan Pohl's car yet. I think that they gave yeah. him that car because yeah. Ryan Pohl's well, just got way. there, and Joe Shane is coming money. from New York where he can just drive. No, you can't. No, it's fine. I love
2: it. Even if they, even if being an assistant GM or a VP of Player Personnel doesn't play well, pay well. Being a general manager definitely. Does. All right, mailbag time. Neil watches PFT. Which of the teams without head coaches is the most desirable landing spot and which is the least? Miles, I'll let you go first while I think of my answer.
4: Um, I would say ah boy, Chicago might be the most desirable. It's cause, you know, you're also incoming with a GM. Um, New York is maybe up there just like I said, when you've got the GM and he's coming in with you, I think that that kind of makes things desirable desirable because it means you're probably going to be more in lockstep with what you're doing. Um, The least right now, Houston, that seems pretty obvious, you know, just based on all the turmoil that's been there. Raiders also seems like a pretty decent job. Uh, depending on what they do at quarterback. But yeah, I I like the bears because you know, you have Justin Fields and that seems like a fun guy to be able to coach up.
2: I'm intrigued by the Broncos, given the fact that even though they're going to be getting a new owner, it's a great fan base and they have a good foundation in place on the roster. And if you can lure a good veteran quarterback or maybe a great veteran quarterback, maybe Aaron Rodgers to Denver, you could contend for a championship, but you got to deal with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and whatever the Raiders do. Hey, these are not inherently desirable because they're open for a reason. Right. Everybody got fired except Sean Payton, and he quit, I think, in part because he knows a year from now he may be fired the way this thing is going in New Orleans, and he did everything he could to hold it together this year with a roster that was disintegrating. Least desirable for me... Probably based upon the reporting today and our reading of the tea leaves of the competing reports, I'd say Jacksonville, because dysfunctional <laughs> teams do dysfunctional things. And I feel like the dysfunctional thing they're doing now is screwing around with Byron Leftwich's contract when they should just pay the guy and, and move on. All right, let's move on to this. Bernie Omero 21. If the Raiders hire Jim Hobble, would they give him full control of the roster in the draft? If so, what role would a GM play? Miles, I, look, I think that uh, I think that if you have a good GM that would be a good partner with Jim Harbaugh, he doesn't necessarily need final say.
3: He
4: doesn't, and maybe he shouldn't want that, uh, but I think he might want that to lure him out of college. So, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if the Raiders were to go after him and they would do that. I mean, what role would the GM play? What role did Mike Mayock just play? Right? I mean, he's the right. cleanup man when everything goes, by, when everything goes poorly. So that, that's really the answer.
2: Mike B. 77X, inside scoop on McDaniels to the Raiders. I'll tell you this very briefly. I heard from a couple of different people over the weekend that the Raiders are eventually going to make a run at Josh McDaniels. It hasn't happened yet. None of the teams looking for coaches have requested permission to speak to McDaniels. The Patriots are astounded by that, given what he's done with quarterbacks, most recently, Mac Jones. I think at some point, I think at some point, the Raiders are going to make a move, Miles.
4: Well, they might be waiting to get their GM in place first, and then they'll do that. But, I mean, who knows? If they do it, it wouldn't shock me either.
2: He's He's been out of head coaching for over a decade, and he's ready for another shot. We have to go. We'll see you tomorrow morning with PFT Live. Have a great evening.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up?